The biggest thing you gave me was time. I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well. When you're a family, everyone in the family has to be treated with respect. Coach Wooden, it always started with uh, relationships. It always started with coaching people's hearts. I want to know who you really are, right? You can put whatever you want on paper, but that that doesn't really matter. His teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is. They don't care what you know. <laughs> they won't. Until they know how much you care. What I like to do is, is give you the opportunity to tell me, to tell me your story. How, how did you get to this place where you are today? All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a straight path. I, I think uh, to talk my, about my background uh, wouldn't do justice if I didn't talk about my upbringing. Um, growing up in a college athletic department, you know, my dad was the AD at Iowa from 1990 to 2006. So quite literally, I, I grew up, you know, in the locker rooms of football, basketball, going on bowl trips, going on NCAA tournament trips. Um, and it, it, it really uh, laid the foundation for what I'm doing now. But, you know, when I graduated from college from the University of Iowa, I actually wanted to get completely away from college athletics because it was everything I had ever known. Um, I had really only been exposed to college athletics and nothing else. Um, so I graduated from the University of Iowa, had a couple of sisters living out in San Diego and got into commercial real estate um, and did that for about four years. But it, it taught me a great deal about, um, you know, building a book of business, building genuine relationships with a wide range of stakeholders ranging from, you know, big real estate investment trusts to, you know, individual high net worth individuals. Um, really working in a team environment, which just so happened to be a bunch of ex-college football players that were brokers in our office. And we had guys from UCLA, from San Diego State, from USD. Um, and it was kind of, I don't want to say a frat, but it, it felt kind of like a locker room, uh, a very close office and learned a great deal from those guys. And I did that for about four years. And you know, that itch to go into college athletics kind of crept up and I was approaching, you know, I think 30 years old. And I said, man, I don't think this is for me. I want to go get my master's degree somewhere around the country that had a specialized degree in sports administration. I zeroed in on a Northwestern's program in Chicago. Um, didn't really know anyone in the city of Chicago and, and took a leap of faith uh, with no job. Uh, got into the master's program at Northwestern and was in the, the uh, sports administration program, which is kind of a dual MBA sports admin background, uh, started working for a small boutique uh, management consulting firm that helped uh, professional organizations, college athletic departments around revenue generation, digital ticketing campaigns. But it kind of started my network within college athletics, started working with about 30 different athletic departments did that for about three years. And then, uh, you know, Jed Hughes came calling from Corn Ferry International, uh, somebody I had really known uh, for about five years prior due to his relationship with my dad. But he really saw my background in college athletics as a plus to add to their sports practice. So I, I interviewed with Corn Ferry, uh, really loved what they had to offer in terms of, of scope, what they were doing across the, the sports landscape and in intercollegiate athletics. Uh, and worked there for about four years, uh, spearheading everything we did 
from a search standpoint in college athletics, but also supported Jed on a wide range of, of searches from NFL GM head coaching searches to NBA to MLB to working with, you know, CONCACAF with uh, the Soccer Federation, those types of things, CEO level searches, commissioner searches, really got exposed to every sector of the sports business world, sports coaching world. Um, and then after about four and a half years, I, ha I had an option to kind of move up at Corn Ferry or go out on my own, which was something that I had worked on at Northwestern in my sports administration background. It was actually my capstone project to start a search firm. So, you know, at that point, I'm, you know, 33 years old. Um, I said, why not now? Let's let's jump into it. Let's start my own company. Let's see where it goes. I thought I could take, you know, a really defined process and strategy from a corporate executive search firm and bring it to college athletics at a boutique price and dive in, you know, had a really successful first year. And then, you know, COVID hits, um, a little adversity comes my way. Right. Uh, business is up and down, but um, I've really um, got back on my feet in the last two years have been really successful. And um, you know, starting to grow the company a little bit from a, from an employee standpoint and, and certainly uh, working on more diverse searches ranging from football, basketball, but also, you know, taking on volleyball searches, taking on tennis searches. I, I've really taken upon myself to not focus necessarily on, hey, just doing revenue generation sports, but really aligning myself with great presidents, good ADs that I feel like are doing it the right way and uh, believe in what I'm doing. So that, that's kind of my brief overview on um, my background and how we got to where we are today. Great, great. I, I, one, of the, one of the things that I, that I heard, you know, which was a very powerful point that, um, you know, I think people can learn from, uh, they can learn from it when they are in the position uh, to move up, to advance, to grow, to learn, and they can learn from it when they are in the position to right. mentor someone else. And that word was was exposure, right? Mm -hmm. the, the fact that you were exposed to a whole lot of things early in your career, which yeah. which I think gave you the opportunity or gave you the foresight to be able to make a good decision when yeah. it came to going out on your own. Well, well, speaking of that, I want to know, like, who when you talk about people who have shown up in your career, in your life as leaders, who, who are those people? And, and what yeah. are the things that, that they've taught, that they've given yeah. you? Yeah, you know, I, I've been blessed. I, I think I've had three bosses in my early, you know, early career. I, I'm still, still fairly young in the business world, but have had three really great bosses. And I think three very different bosses. Um, you know, my first boss in commercial real estate, you know, really taught me about true mentorship, um, invested in young people. You know, we had two or three um, individuals like myself that were just starting off in the real estate business. And uh, his name was Dave Howard, but he just really invested in us. You know, he would he would bring in speakers just for the young people. He would stay after work and kind of put us through different presentations to make us uncomfortable with public speaking and those types of things. So, you know, I think I've taken that with me, um, you know, being a mentor, trying to help young people in this business, whether it's my company or people trying to break into the sports world to always kind of say yes to those conversations because I've been there. 
And uh, someone who taught me that that's the way to do it. Um, and he also taught me, you know, he always had this phrase, um, you know, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which is from, I believe, the Wind in the Willow uh, book. But uh, to never get too high or never get too low, you know, celebrate the wins, but, you know, realize that your next loss is right around the corner, too, um, to kind of have even keel. Uh, so that's just a little bit on my first boss. You know, my second boss, Eric Fernandez, was, you know, I worked for a sports uh, consulting firm in Chicago for a couple of years. And he was just, you know, wicked smart, uh, a guy that was always looking progressively towards what was coming down the pipe in college athletics, pro sports in terms of technology, being innovative, um, really was excellent at storytelling. So I've taken a few things from him. And then you know, lastly, Jed Hughes, who, you know, is really kind of the pioneer of executive search within sports. Um, you know, he's just great at what he does. Um, he was mentored by, you know, he coached with Chuck Knoll, Denny Green. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, I believe two other Hall of Famers. Oh, Bo Schembechler. Uh, so he was kind of mentored by all these great football coaches. And when I went into that shop, I mean, it was, it was kind of cutthroat. I mean, he, he rode you hard, uh, but he loved you at the end of the day. Um, and he just taught me a lot about, you know, attention to detail, building trust, how you build relationships with people. Um, he had a, he kind of had a motto of doing low volume work and doing really high quality uh, work for your client. And that's something I've kind of taken with me on my own is to, you know, limit what I'm doing at any given time and really give my full self to a, a low volume amount of clients. So, you know, I think I've taken a little bit of everything from the three bosses I've had, but as you alluded to, I've also been exposed to just some fascinating individuals in my life, ranging from Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw at Stanford, Tara Vandeveer at Stanford, um, Hayden Fry uh, at the University of Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, uh, Vivian Stringer, um, you know, throughout my dad's career, he's, um, inherited some great coaches. He's hired some great coaches and, you know, I've, I've been around a lot of those people and, uh, just to witness it at practice and, and hear those people speak. Um, I think I've taken a lot from those people too. Wow. Wow. You, you have spoken and you have uh, mentioned some, some really great names, some people that I've read on that I, well, you know, to. you know, your Kansas state ties, uh, there's a lot of similarities between Kansas State and Iowa with the Bill Snyder, Hayden Fry lineage. Right. You know, Chris Kleinman was at UNI when my dad was the director of athletics. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of connections for me with Kansas State, and I, I I think you guys do it the right way. And there's a lot of core foundational elements of what you guys preach and what Iowa preaches. So um, always been a big fan of what you guys are doing too. Yeah, when you mentioned Iowa, I, I, I thought the same thing is that, uh, you know, we, we kind of follow the same tracks, the two, the yep. two different programs. Well, you you talked earlier about going into business. You talked about the struggle that you had during COVID. And right. that's always one of the questions, just because that moment in our in our history as as people really in our society uh, was was very different for us. Right. And I always like to know from leaders, people who are in charge, people I had, I had speaking of Kansas State, I had Gene Taylor on yep. and, and we, we talked about that moment. Well, right. well, I was able to witness him in that moment. Right. And so my question to you is, 
is in that moment, right? In that moment of COVID, in that moment where we were dealing with social justice right. initiatives and the things that were going on in our society, what? How did that help you as a leader when right. you came when you came out on the other side? How did you improve as a leader? What are the things that, right. that you experienced that helped make you better? Yeah, I mean, you can either let adversity knock you down. Or you can take it as a learning experience and a chance to rethink things, retool things, get better. Um, I, I think you build self-efficacy uh, through adversity. You build up your self-confidence. Um, you overcome the challenges that are at hand. And I, and I think for me, you know, the social issues that, that came about uh, and the COVID issues, you know, I think it's, it was a chance for me to find the good in the business that I was doing in college athletics. I, I think with those two areas that we just discussed, uh, you know, COVID, social issues, and then you add in, you know, some monumental changes that have also happened in college athletics over the past couple of years with, hey, name, image, and likeness, pay for play, all these different things. Um, you know, there was, there was some times where I said, hey, do I, do I wanna be in this business? Um, everyone was negative. I mean, it was, hey, we're facing budget crisis here in college athletics. We're facing racial issues in college athletics. Uh, now people are upset about, you know, players getting paid or, or being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. And, you know, it was rocky. And I'm sure you experienced that too. But, you know, I really found myself reflecting on what I wanted to do and how I wanted to impact college athletics. And I think what I did is, I tried to find the good in it, um, talked to a lot of people, reached out to a lot of my, you know, black colleagues in the college athletics business um, to kind of understand their perspective, um, to see what they're going through, to better understand it. How can we get better as an executive search firm around diversity, equity, inclusion? How, how can we help you progress in your career? Um, so I think I tried to find the good in it. And um, by doing that, you know, don't focus on the negative. Uh, you know, bring positivity and what you're doing, um, really find deep down in your heart why you want to do this. And I, I think I found that, um, you know, kind of during the pandemic, uh, two, three years. And, um, you know, I think it ultimately made me better. Yeah, you know, each time, each time we discuss this on this episode, on these shows, on this podcast, right. um, it always takes me back to to that place where we were in, where as coaches and as leaders, it gave us a great opportunity to learn, <clears throat> to learn. So we had coaches on our staff who, who couldn't, who, who would admit that they can't, man, I don't know how to turn the computer on. Right. But then, but then we were in a position where we had to do position meetings on Zoom, right. you know, where you have to teach players concepts and ideas on zoom yep. and and you'd never done that before where again guys who couldn't turn the computers on who were used to using big chief notebooks and number right. two pencils right. now they were operating on zoom and so yes like you said there was tremendous adversity but when we come out on the other side this podcast was created right. you know well, when we come out on the other side <laughs> we're well, able to communicate yeah and you know, as a team, probably got more efficient in what you were doing. I mean, there's there's always learnings. I look at the search business. We used to do everything in person, right? You know, 
and now we're doing search committee calls via Zoom. Right. Uh, you know, we're usually doing first round interviews during Zoom and it allows, you know, our clients to maybe talk to more people than they normally would have. Right. Um, I don't want to say in the olden days, you know, pre 2019. <laughs> That's right. One. And then right. I'm sure as a football team and uh, as an athletic department, you guys still do a lot of the things you did during COVID because it made you more efficient and streamlined. So I think with any adversity, there's learnings and there's a way to make yourself better. 100%. So let's talk a little bit about what you do uh, in terms of when, when you are um, doing a search. Right. And, and I've, you know, I've heard quite a bit that, that you are helping the university choose the person that they want, right? It's not you, it's right. what they want. So yeah. how do you go about, how do you go about uh, grabbing candidates to right. make sure that what is your process? And of course, in, in a short form, what is your process for, for making sure that a candidate is a right fit for a university? Yeah, I mean, and, and it depends on every search, how much learnings kind of go into it. But I, I start with that because when you're in executive search, you really need to be an extension of your client's brand. I mean, you need to know it. You're not going to know it as well as somebody that works at Kansas State if you're my client, but you need to be able to represent them and sell the opportunity, but also talk about you know, maybe some of the barriers to success, um, maybe some of the, the challenges that that particular school or program may face. So I think you want to learn enough to be able to sell the opportunity, but also be able to talk about it, um, you know, in a positive light, but also a balanced light that it's not all roses. Every opportunity has some negatives. So to be able to talk about both sides of positive and negative, um, you know, I, I think, hey, if we're talking about a coaching search, you know, learning about the candidate pool, that doesn't happen during a search. That happens the other 364 days of the year. You know, my down, my downtime is, um, you know, agents reaching out to me and having me talk to some of their clients and learning about those people before a search starts. As it regards to like an AD search, you know, you're going to four or five conferences a year, you're trying to get on campus, get in front of kind of the next wave of talent. So when opportunities arise, and you're working on a search, you're not really learning on the fly. Now, you're not going to know everyone in the business. So I think you're trying to learn about candidates one on one, but you're also trying to ex constantly expand your network to be able to call, say, I'm calling you about a coach on your staff, and I'm looking for an honest, transparent opinion of what they are. So I think you got to have a really trustworthy network of both candidates and people that are going to give you an unbiased opinion of what those people are, if they've worked with them, worked under them, over them, those types of things. So, um, you know, I, I think every start search starts with that learning phase where you try to absorb as much as possible um, and you put on your management consulting hat. And you take what you've learned, you go back to your client and say, hey, this is what I learned from stakeholders, from doing research in the marketplace. These are the positives. These are the negatives. You know, how do you view this opportunity as the client? Those types of things. So and then you go you go and engage the, the marketplace and you sell the opportunity. And you know, a lot of what we're doing is it's process and strategy coming up with the timeline, you know, hosting the Zooms 
doing the travel and logistics, but it's also to be a sounding board for an AD that's hiring a coach uh, to give a second opinion, to go out to your network and be able to move uh, quickly and efficiently. Um, so there, there's a lot of different, you know, value adds that we can do. And I think it just kind of depends on the specific client and specific search. Okay. So, you know, what I do as a coach is, man, it's, th there are some days where I, where I do get gray hair, right. uh, but, but it's very fulfilling. Yeah. And, and people often think that, that what goes on out there on the field on Saturdays is the most important thing, but it, it, that is quite important. Right? right. And I say, that's my job. That's what Kansas state, that's what they pay me to do. But my job as as given to be by given to me by my purpose yeah. is to maximize the talents, the skills on and off the field that that my players have and, and that my younger coaches have. And so when I talk about game day, right, game day doesn't always happen on Saturdays for me. Right. Game days. Part. Right. That, that's that's yeah. the easy part. But but sometimes games day game days is when. When I have a player who I've been trying to, man, I've been trying to get this guy to do the right things. I've right. been trying to get this guy to go to class. I've been trying to get this guy to understand how important his academics are, how important, uh, you know, being on time is. Well, game day for me, other than the Saturdays, is when it when I see it click in this right. guy, when I see him cross over and he becomes what all all the things that I'm trying to push him to be he right. becomes those things it happens on the field as well when I get a guy to play yeah. a technique that I'm trying to teach right. but but more importantly it happens to me when 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 I can see that that we are connected now that this young yeah. man understands what happens out there and what happens in here they're just as important when we're talking 20 years from now right. yeah. so my question is is for you what what is game day like in your world right you know i i would say game day within a search is the interviews you know the in-person interviews uh you get a little juice flowing and i think you know you talked about the rewarding aspect of hey seeing the fruition of all your coaching during the week and they perform on game day right for me it's Hey, we've we've really worked as a committee to build consensus around what we're looking for, you know, maybe two months ago. And now it's game day. And what's fulfilling for me is I've hopefully taken that position spec that's really laser focused on what my client was looking for. And if the five people we interview do well, but they really represent what that position spec is their characteristics, their experience ends up matching up with that and they perform well, that's game day for me. It's not probably the, the higher it's, it's that final interview day with anywhere from four to eight candidates. And they really perform not for me, but for the client. And that to me is a successful search. If you've put forward candidates that really match what the client's desires were. Great. Great. Now, now this next question, and this is my final question. Um, it applies to you, right? So don't think it doesn't, right? Normally, I'm talking to people who've been 
You know, they've been in their business. They've been yeah. rolling for 20 years. Yeah. But, yeah. but it does apply to you. Um, and, and that question is, is, is what, what would, so we got to reframe it for you, right? Yeah. Uh, and actually we don't, we won't. It okay. is what would you tell your younger self that you that you know today, right? Oh. About about this business, about what you want to do, about how you should operate, right? Yeah. What, you could talk to yourself ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's a tough one. I, you know, I I think one, and this is kind of cliche because everyone says it, but you know, I think my generation was one of the first and the generations that are coming up are the same, but this instant gratitude, you know, this almost, you know, I, I don't know what the right phrase is, but you know, they kind of entitlement that, you know, Oh, you've worked for two years. You, you should be making a hundred thousand dollars and you're due for a promotion. And, you know, I, I think I've actually done a good job at that. You know, I've always, taken a long-term approach to, okay, this time at Corn Ferry is an opportunity to learn about this, this, and this, and this is how I'm going to take it to the next phase of my career. And, you know, it's the same in commercial real estate. I, I think I knew at the end of the day, that wasn't the long-term play for me, but I knew there was some, some things I could learn from a relationship standpoint, from building a, you know, book of business that I could take with me whatever I did in my career. Um, so, so kind of that entitlement, uh, realizing that it's a long game. I mean, some people that are 40, 50 years old are just reaching the midpoint of their careers. Um, you know, knowing that, you know, the average D1 AD is like 52 years old. So it, it takes a great deal of time to get to leadership positions, to get to the point where you deem yourself successful. And then the other thing I would say is I would challenge my younger self to just be bolder, um, you know, to take, to take chances, um, you know, to, to look at everything as a, as a learning, a learning phase. But, um, you know, that, that would probably be the, the two things I would, uh, ideas telling my younger self, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to look back, uh, because you're just, you're so immature coming out of college and it's hard to focus on, on long-term things. Yeah, and I, you know, of course, the the group, the group of young men, and sometimes women that that I deal with, I always talk to them about the fact that when you when you talked about hard work, when you talked about paying your dues, yeah. you know, this society, this world that we live in, we got we had microwaves, you know what I mean, and oh, yeah. so um, they're they're they grew up. Some young people grew up. And they put the food in the microwave and it, it was warmed. Right. And it was right. it's got flavor. It's got seasonings, you know. But if you if you reflect on the time in which I remember when I would go and visit my grandmother and I found that my grandmother, when she knew that we were coming to visit, like she started preparing the meal. We were going to come on a Sunday. She right. started preparing the meal on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So you all, when we think about how like your grandmother's food, like, man, it, you don't want to say it out loud, but it yeah. tastes better than your mom's food, yeah. right? Because grandmother took her time to prepare the food. Right. And she didn't, she didn't throw it in the microwave. 
She didn't throw it in the oven for a couple of hours. Like she was marinating that chicken for three days. You know what I mean? She was, she's, she, she put a lot of time and energy into this. And again, when you, when you talk about the entitlement, right. When you talk about people not wanting to play the long game, right. I got to get this thing accomplished so I can move on to the next one and move on to the next one. And there is, you know, not a lot of contentment in yeah. the, in the moments that we are in. And listen, we we deal with it as coaches. You know, you you we talked about the success that we're having here at Kansas State. Man, you can't even you can't celebrate the wins, but for twenty four hours, and not even yeah. that long, because you yeah. got to go to the next game. And and that's just the world that we live in. Is is that you as, as a coach when you retire, you can look back over yeah. your career and say man I did some special yeah. things but you very rarely take the time in the moment yeah. to really to really breathe it all in and yeah, so yeah. And, um, and I I think along the same lines you know again younger self to not be scared of failure I mean as we talked about adversity if I look at my career or specifically the last four years I've lost a lot more than I've won but I've learned a lot more losing than I have winning. Um, so I think embracing, not embracing failure, but embrace the fact that you will fail in life and you'll do it repeatedly. And to, to you know, take the good out of those losses and, and find a way to better yourself. Um, you know, maybe that's better than my first answer. Right. Well, we had, we had, uh, we had a, a setback earlier in the year uh, versus Tulane. Yep. And and what I talk to our team about, of course, you, man, you you go out there every week. You want to win every game, but some that's not going to happen every season, yep. you know. And so what you just said is you have to take the loss, the L O S S, as a learning opportunity if you stay strong. Right. And so that's what I said to our team is that man, listen, there's a whole lot that we can learn from this thing that just happened, right? Yep. And and you can't, of course let the same team beat you twice, meaning yeah. you don't learn from what just happened. But like you said, failure is a part, of, failure is a part of winning, right. <laughs> you know, failure is a part of growing the adversity yeah. that we talked about, even with COVID, we have come out ahead, right. And in, in many areas of our lives, we have come out ahead. We, yeah. we appreciate things much more and so that's that's a win and a loss that's a win well Kyle man I appreciate your time uh definitely a, a pleasure to be able to have you on and we're going to have have you back uh yeah, I'd but, love to. But, but I but I appreciate your time uh definitely a great opportunity to learn uh and I I have like like some of the things you said I have 15 other questions that came oh, yeah. from those things uh, but but again, I appreciate you and we'll we'll definitely uh, be following you. I had an opportunity to meet your dad. Yeah. Um, at the uh, path to the summit. OK. Uh, in Arizona. Yeah. And of course, man, I, I followed his career and through Coach Climbing uh, yeah. here, here all the time, the conversations that they have, uh, but had an opportunity to meet him. And man, I was uh, so impressed to, to, to be able to meet him. And, and I talked to him about, you know, because we're talking about leadership. I talked to him about leadership of the conference yeah. during during a tumultuous time. 
uh, and and uh, it was it was pretty cool to talk to him about the things that that he dealt with, yeah. you know, at that moment. Uh, but I thought also, and I always believe this, that it's important that people, you know, you give people their flowers, right? Yeah. And so I, I just wanted to let him know that I was, man, I was as an assistant coach in the Big Twelve Conference. Yeah. I was I was really appreciative of the way he continues and continued. It was at that time handling, you know, all the adversity that was that was going yeah. on. Well, you know, I, uh, I had a unique uh, insight, not necessarily COVID, but, you know, the OU Texas deal, we were actually renovating our house and I lived 10 minutes from him. So we were living with him at the time. So <laughs> I, I got a crash course and day to day, just kind of witnessing right. uh, crisis management leadership, as you know, you know, getting 10 presidents, 10 ADs to row in the same direction, uh, you know, building consensus. So uh, love to be around my dad in that setting, and maybe uh, maybe you have us both on at the same time one of these days. That'll be cool. Well, I talked yeah. to him about coming on, uh, and so yeah, I think that'd be cool. He, he needs things to do right now. Now he's in retirement, so hey man, which is one of the things that he and I talked about. I said, so so you got all you're gonna have all this free time. What are you gonna yeah. do? He said, well, I don't know. He said, I don't think I'm gonna be coaching somebody's little league team. No. So don't, he said, don't no, sign he, me up for that. He's uh he's got seven grandkids within three hours and uh, I guess six of them are within twenty minutes so we keep them busy with uh, babysitting and, and sports. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's that's a that's a great thing to do. Hey, uh, Dad, kind of need you to come exactly. pick up so and so from Little League, right? You know so it. you you'll be an Uber driver. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, good luck the rest of the year and. Uh, it's, it's great to meet you uh, virtually and, uh, you know, continued success.